Welcome to Infinity War and Beyond, the podcast where we stumble through the MCU by watching one Marvel Studios film each week until we reach the mega-epic blockbuster that is Avengers Infinity War. I'm Billy, and I will be your host this week as we look at Doctor Strange. As always, joining me is my co-host, Christoph. Hey, Billy. How are you? Yeah, right. I feel like a bit of an idiot. Oh, because you accidentally uploaded the wrong podcast. Yes, I actually uploaded the wrong podcast episode. But our loyal listeners and our executive producer, my my friend Travis, um, managed to somehow, you know, point that out to me within like an hour of the podcast being uploaded. So yeah, so I was able to take it down, but I do feel like an idiot a little bit. Uh, Maybe I'm just being like overly blasé, but... No, we're giving people free content. Occasionally there's going to be mistakes. Look, we're, our we're still figuring this out. Our, what it was, our Ant, Ant-Man episode was so antastic that I wanted us you to... You wanted to inflict it on our listeners for a second. Yes, week. inflanked. Oh, damn it, I was trying to put inflict and ant together. didn't work. <laughs> um, so, something How I'll, have you been? Look, I've been good. I wanted to bring up that on the way driving over here, I saw a bus ad for Infinity War, and it feels weird that it's so close. Yes, I actually was going to bring bring that up as well, because I started this, well, actually last week, a little bit, playing uh, Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. Wait, when did that come out? Like, how recent? Um, that came out late last year, um, and I got it, like, I think maybe September last year. Okay. And I got it, and... So, did that reference, would that reference Ragnarok then? No, but... Um, Oh, it doesn't like it, it's not based on the movies. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, did you I wasn't play, sure. Yeah, did you ever play the first Lego Marvel Super? I didn't. So, the first Lego Marvel superheroes had the entire universe before Marvel and what's what's the idiot that we talk about every nearly every week? Who made bad decisions for Marvel? Oh, Ike. That's Ike before Ike made the veto of characters that were owned by various other movie companies being pushed in games and external media yeah so that's why like for street fighter versus or marvel versus capcom the latest one there's no fantastic four and there's no x-men so marvel superheroes the first one which i assume the entire universe which was great which i assume is going to change now they're going to be putting x-men into stuff hopefully um but this one just focuses on the avengers guardians of the galaxy and some other heroes. Wow. So they really are doubling down and being like, what IP does Marvel fully control in all yeah. forms? It, Let's crank that. It reminded me, because the villain in this in this one is um, Kang. Corporate Greed? No, it's Kang, which is similar to Corporate Greed, <laughs> I guess. Kang, the Time Conqueror? I don't know. What'd you call him? But, I, okay, so yeah. So it's Kang? Yes. Which is, okay, interesting pick, given that, he, like, I thought that they might try movie synergy and pick, like, a character that has at least been in the movies even if they're using yeah. a comic book oh, I think they do a movie version of the a Lego Marvel of the movie oh versions. okay of course but um, I bought the um, sort of pack which gets you all the DLCs when they come out okay and a few of the DLCs <clears throat> there is an Infinity War DLC oh wow there is an Ant-Man and the Wasp DLC but that's coming out after the movie yeah. comes out just interesting how you... I think, I'm sure there's like a giant board somewhere with all this stuff mapped out. Yeah. Like it's got to be a, like a spreadsheet or I, something. That this is, the yeah. planning is ridiculous. Look, I mean, the Lego Marvel games are always fun. And I'm enjoying it. And because it's like the Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers, it's making me sort of... 
Are they, the film. Do they have voice actors? Is it all silent? Yeah, no, no. It is voice actors, just usually, uh, mostly in the CGI stuff. Okay. Um, what it, is, it is kind of cool. Is but, it voice acting? Because, I mean, with those sort of games and with, like, superhero stuff, when they have such big names in the films playing them, the voice acting in, like, other media can be very hit and miss. Okay, well, apparently, I didn't know this, like, apparently 2016 and 2017, there was a big strike... Um, for, for voice, uh, voice, voice actors. actors, so that involved that this. Familiar. Well. Yeah, so they got um, other people doing the voices. So they got scabs, but yes, <laughs> scab labor, apparently. But um, these voices that did, the, like that did the voices, they sound pretty cool. Like the person who's doing Thor sort of sounds similar to Chris Hemsworth a bit. It's that not always, that bad. That always rubs me the wrong way though when they get voice alikes. Like I'd rather they just get someone who has like their own take on the character. Yeah. Rather than try and like, like match whatever the whatever the person in the film sounds like. Mm. Um, yeah. So, on the ads for Infinity yeah, War. Yeah. So it's close. I'm still mentally coming to terms with the fact that it's because it, I remember for so long they've been talking about Infinity War and yeah. it just seemed impossibly big. This is like a big storyline. It's ambitious. It's like is it twenty or eighteen films deep? Well, apparently, also no. Look, it's a lot of like, yeah, a lot of films deep. Like apparently, um, well, no, this episode is episode fourteen, so fifteen. 16. Oh, so it is eighteen. Yeah, okay. about eighteen. It's just, it's just. Look, honestly, it's not like a lot to, more films. Don't you listen to our podcast? I don't need to listen to any more of my voice. You I already have it. to hear it in my head, Billy. Your, your dulcet. Oh, ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Put the knife down, Christoph. <laughs> the knife. Stop crying. Yes. Um, no. The, but the one thing that I noticed this week, and I've been noticing it more, like I, I've noticed it all the time, is the post the posters for overseas compared to the ones we like. Literally, Australia gets the same as America and the UK almost. Yeah, well, because we're seen as a very good test market. We're yeah. sort of seen as similar, like Where... a smaller version of them. Whereas the posters in, say, for example, in Japan and China, they're much more amazing. Like You're I think I, better. Yeah, I sh- like I sh- we talked about the uh, the poster for the movie Rampage in our group, uh, the Geekers conversation, and that looks makes it look more like a Godzilla film than it is. Yeah, but could that part of it because it's got the Japanese? Would it be kanji or katakana on the side? And like it's like just visually. The okay. Japanese written language looks stunning. Okay, well... Okay. Compared you, to, like, English English letters. Well, you've seen the Avengers poster, yes? Yes, yeah, I have. How it's got, like... The, um, it's a bit Tony busy. Stark as, like, you know, kind of Jesus Christ. Is this the one with all the cast minus Hawkeye? Yes. Yeah, okay. Now, it, I'm it, showing Christoph the Japanese poster. I like this better, the Japanese poster. I think... I again, I think that the uh, what I assume is is that uh, the kanji. I think that's doing the heavy lifting because, as I said, I think it's just a beautiful looking written language. Oh, I feel like th- like this is less busy. Like it's got multiple oh, yeah, characters. Oh yeah, it is a hundred percent less busy. But it's got. Does it have the same amount of characters? Sort of. Yeah, it's got all of them. It's got all the guardians and all the event or well, the main Avengers. Yeah, yeah, there's Hawkeye. no Falcon. Yeah, there's no Falcon in that one. <laughs> no, yeah, no, so wait, there is a Falcon. There is wait, Falcon. There's, no, there's no War Machine. Do you? I wonder. I wonder if the fact that they're okay. sort of they're pushing Hawkeye out. Do you think that's deliberate, or do you think they're just like, what are we meant to do with this character? No, look, honestly, I mean, 
Because he's, he's kind of like, he's kind of got, he's got his limits more so than any of the other characters. Like even Black Widow, because you've got the spy and espionage stuff, that is always useful. Whereas like Hawkeye literally has one skill and it's shooting shit in combat. And there are a million other people on the team who can do combat better than Hawkeye. True, but <clears throat> he does have shield training as well. <laughs> wow. Honest, no, no, no. Look, from what I've read... Um, the actors were only given their particular part to act out. Interesting. So n- there's a, like, a really small number of people who know the entire story. Yeah, the Russo brothers have, have Which is that. pretty cool. Well, I think we all know the story, and that story is Disney makes a shit ton of money and goes on to do another 50 uh, million of these films. That's the story. Bar Humbug Kristoff. <laughs> He's back. Look, I'm getting over a bug, so I am I'm a grumpy boy. So it's Bug Humbug Oh god, it's gonna gonna be a long long podcast. All right, well, yes. do we want to sort of pivot now a little bit? Well, to let's, talking about should we look at the, the trailer? Strange? Yeah, let's, let's jump in. Doctor Strange, you think you know how the world works? What if I told you the reality you know is one of many? This doesn't make any sense. Not everything does. Not everything has to. Through the mystic arts, we harness energy and shape reality. We travel great distances in an instant. I get from here to there. How did you become a doctor? Study and practice. Here's the bit. There's a strength to him. But is he ready? Be careful which path you travel down, Strange. Stronger men than you have lost their way. In pain. You'll die protecting this world. I can't do this. There is no other way. I've spent so many years peering through time. Looking for you. So that was the trailer, and now we're going to go into context, where we discuss, you know, when the film came out, and uh, we focus on some of the box office and and various other details. So, um, Doctor Strange came out in 2016, and I can't think of anything else big that happened during that time. So I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to think, what else? Wait, do you do you think I'm being serious? Yes, I'm. Uh, it was the U.S. election. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> the yeah. fear in your eyes. I'm so oh, sorry to remind fuck. you that that happened. Yeah, I know. Well, th- I wiped that out of my memory. Yeah. Seriously, it happened then. Well, the, wait. Is that when it started or when the results? Six. Let me look this up. Give me a okay. tick. I'm pretty sure it was around November. 
All right. So while Christophe looks that up, I just really pertinent to a film podcast. Yeah, I know. I will talk about. So the film is directed by Scott Derrickson, who has he's more of a horror person. Um, he's directed. He's numerous for He's known for directing numerous horror films, which is The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which I've seen, and is it, it good? Is, it is a little bit brutal, um, sinister, which I can't remember if I have seen. Um, Deliver Us from Evil, I definitely have not seen. Uh, yeah, so he, oh, apparently he's done, oh, I didn't realise that, Hellraiser Inferno. Um, oh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah, the Counter Ease movie that, everyone, that, was, that no one saw. That was very sleepy for me. I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the original more than the remake. Okay, so to answer the question everyone wants to know, which is when the US election happened, that was on November 8th. November so, 8th. So Wait, four, is that when the results or when they voted? That was a vote day. So the results would have come out that night. So they would have come out wow. They would have come out midday November 9th in Australia. I remember in the afternoon being at the gym and watching in horror as uh, as America turned around for Trump. Wow. Okay. Uh, but that said, look, it, in, it was released in October in Hong Kong. So I think, I'm pretty positive that the election hadn't happened when I saw this film. Okay. Because I don't think I would have been able to give this film any of my mind attention mm. prior to that, like, election, mm. if the election was so fresh. So bad I wet myself out. Um, but yeah, so Scott Derrickson, he's basically directed numerous horror films or been producer and writer on various other horror films. But, uh, yeah. I think he's... I'm just going to throw this out there. I think he's directed style at least on this film I haven't seen his other work because I'm not a horror guy so I mm. can't speak to that but on this it felt bland it felt like it could have been anyone behind the camera I do remember it lacked personality completely I do remember Exorcism Emily, Emily Rose did it felt did feel like it I mean that, that stuff creeps me out I mean but that's the thing I like horror films because I like that I get creeped out but it, I feel, did remember it feeling like it dragged out a bit that film it's just and he wrote and directed that film it's just like a lot of, I think, really interesting, you know, directors or directors who have more of a brand to them. They have that because they use, they have some sort of similar hallmarks that, mm. that they use again and again in their films. Obviously, it can become a bit tiring, but when it's done well, it feels like they're imbuing their personality into, you know, into how they've shot the film. And I think Christopher Nolan's a great example of that. Mm. You know, you can always always tell when it's one of his films. Uh, Wes Anderson is like that, although possibly to the opposite end of the spectrum where it can almost come off as a bit wanky but my point of these people is personality and this film to me had none it mimicked like it obviously mimics Inception at times Mm. you know especially in that opening scene where they're running up walls and then when they're in the mirror dimension again and the world's folding over yeah but apart from that it it just felt I think I'm just going to say this. I think it's the blandest MCU film look look, I I I had fun with it post him looking for magic like so when he finally oh yeah when he goes to um to Nepal when, after he has his accident essentially I yeah. started to enjoy the so film so he stops being an asshole yeah um I had fun but I will point out that it's not my favourite of the Marvel films it's not it's not do you think it's, it's, it's a, a, do you think, snooze first do you think it's anyone's favourite do you think anyone is yeah I mean, is I horny, like for, it. horny for strange hashtag horny for strange yeah I'm, yeah, I'm definitely horny for sure. No, but like that's their favourite. That's like, oh god, no, oh. no, like the, the, the hands of the Vashanti. But do you, do you think anyone could actually have this film as their favourite? Because I I just don't think it's that kind of. Um, because like no, I don't think favourite. But I mean, there's the thing. A lot of people love the character of Doctor Strange. I do. 
I really enjoy Doctor Strange as a character. Okay. Because I like my- mystical stuff and, like, stories and, like, I mean, I play D&D and, like, I like... Don't judge me, I saw your eyes. No, I, I look, I play Dungeons and Dragons too, this is no yeah. judgment. So, but, but you just like, said like before that you like stories, and I'm like, that's literally every human being. No, sorry, look, I, <laughs> like, I, get your point. I like fantasy stories and stuff, and I like that magic sort of delves into that a bit. Are you an urban fantasy guy? Do you like urban, like when they mi- you mix like magic and fantasy elements with like Yeah, I like elements? when like magic mi- gets mixed with tech as well. Yeah, okay, that's a, that, that's, that's a good point. And I think... Yeah. Uh, We'll talk about it more in pickups, but yeah, I think the way that uh, the one thing where this movie did sort of—I'm not going to say personality, but did definitely pick a direction, and stuck with it—is how they portrayed magic. Well, the, yeah, the other thing we've noticed with the Marvel films, a lot of the times, man, the writers or also the directors, it hasn't been the greatest film. So. Um, Scott Derrickson was actually one of the writers on this. There were three writers in total. So yep. Scott Derrickson, uh, C. Robert Cargill, Car- Cargill, yep. Cargill and John, um, who is uh, he's an internet, he's a former internet film critic from Ain't It Cool News. Oh God, yeah, I know Ain't It Cool News. Um, yeah, so he he's also written a few. He wrote. Oh, no, wait, no, he was, he was an actor in The Rules of Attraction. But no, he's written, like, Sinister, Sinister 2, uh, which is what Scott Derrickson did. Yes, okay. Um, the Outer Limits movie, um, a Deuce X movie. Oh, wow. Deus Ex, like, I don't know if that's meant to be based on the video game. Online. Oh, yes, okay, yeah, that's upcoming. Um... Yeah, and the other one... He kind of seemed like a franchise guy, like the steady hand you bring in to write like a movie of an existing franchise or IP. Yeah, and the other writer John is John Spates, who you will be surprised, did the films Prometheus, Passengers, The Mummy, the latest Mummy, yeah, Van Helsing, that. and one that's coming up called Cubed. He was also the director of The Darkest Hour. So... A lot of those films haven't sort of... They've been warm. They haven't been hot, yeah. great films. So just what's, what's interesting to me, Billy, is that I'm a bit of an asshole when it comes to like writing. In, the, in terms like... Uh, because I like... Uh, write in my spare time, I'm usually overly harsh on the writing of films. And I'm going to say for this film, I think the strongest part of it was the writing. I think thematically... And structurally, the screenplay was really good mm. uh, for the most part. I mean, oh, yeah, it was very exceptions. tight. Well, so. let me give you an amazing, uh, really good example. Is that Do- Doctor Strange's the main sort of flaw, apart from when his hands get fucked, is that his ego. Yeah. And the fact that they established that he will deliberately not take on people's cases if he doesn't think that he can win. So he, he sort of doesn't go into no-win scenarios. And yeah. in the end, in order to... In order to defeat Damamu, he has to deliberately uh, go into a no-win scenario that repeats itself potentially forever. Yeah. So I thought that was and a he's real... happy to sacrifice. Exactly, and it was a really. I thought that was what they've done is they've thought of the most extreme way that they could show that he's changed and put him in a situation that old Doctor Strange post humility wouldn't have never done in a million years because it's literally his hell is this ongoing loop of mm. of failure, uh, and I thought. That and there were a couple of other things in the film. Just the pace of it was good, uh, and the way sort of information strip fed to you for the most part. 
I, like there were I did have some issues with the pacing but for the most part it was really solid and it felt like what therefore maybe that's why I judge Derrickson so much is because I feel like the script is solid so that means yeah. that the director is part of, part of the problem the, ex- yeah. it, the execution wasn't there um, and I don't think there was any real studio interference because this was well, I'm gonna there were a few moments where they mentioned the Infinity Stones and I oh want, no no I mean like compared oh. to other like compared to like say for example Iron Man 2 or oh okay like that like I mean I, we have like I know the Infinity Stone is in this but I don't think it was like the heavy handed um, studio interference like say for example that writers group that we're talking about and Ike Palumina who were very much like no it has to be this 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 and this sort of thing uh, so box office wise um, it may uh, sorry the budget was 165 million and it made 677 million which is not bad yeah look I I think part of it is that number one it had which is the, it had Cumberbatch and yeah. he pulls a crowd of what are they Cumberbatches? Oh, yeah. yeah, everyone loves Cumberbatch. Um, and the other thing I would say is that this is definitely this is post Guardians, this is post Ant Man, this is very much in the Marvel we are too big to fail sort of phase that they're still in now. That yeah. regardless of the title, the Marvel Studios sort of uh, hallmark gives enough credit that people will go see these films regardless of their knowledge of the characters or the creatives behind it. And I think Doctor yeah. Strange is a great example of that because. Again, like, the director had only really done horror stuff. I don't think he's necessarily going to pull a whole bunch of people for a cape film. No. And Doctor Strange, I don't think, was I mean, super no, well-known outside of comics. Yeah, outside of comics, is not super well-known. He's pretty a big player in Marvel. I, think, I feel like possibly Cumberbatch was cast because of that. It's like, oh, it's got Cumberbatch in it. He's Come a star power? Yeah, like... Interesting. Because I um, heard... I mean, I heard some other names get floated around that sounded way okay, more interesting. Okay, who, who would you have uh, cast? I can't... The guy, so this name got considered, and I think he would have made a much more interesting Strange, uh, Doctor Strange, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't imagine him playing along for a studio Can you say film. that again? No, I'm not going to say that again. I don't, I'm not your dancing monkey, Billy, and I refuse to, I refuse to embarrass myself. Dance, monkey, dance! <laughs> um, okay, well, I would have liked it if, possibly, um, he kept his British accent. So, come about but... British accent. Yeah, the American accent was very heavy-handed, and I almost felt like he was like he, he couldn't hit his full range, coach. and yeah, he couldn't hit his full range because he was maintaining this this accent. Um, now we okay, so we normally talk about also um, just as a general the Rotten Tomato sort of percentage. Yeah. Um, it got an eighty-nine percent, which is not bad. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, is now it higher than a lot of the other Marvel films. Yeah, we say not. We give it as an average because. Nowadays, Rotten Tomatoes isn't as good as it used to be because a lot of the times people sort of hack Rotten Tomatoes in that they will go en masse to give something a bad review, mm-hmm. which is quite ridiculous. Like, you know, Neither. you have other things to do in your spare time. So, look, Clearly that, not. Yeah, but a lot of the times with Rotten Tomatoes, you can easily drill down and find the reviews for just the critics Sorry, as well. I'm, I'm trying not to laugh at drill down. Drill I'm down. Back. Okay. Um, but look, now that we're finished with context, let's go into pickups. We, oh, um, well, do we want to quickly talk about some of the other cast before we jump into pickups, Billy? Because there's a couple of other heavy hitters in this film, apart from The Batch, which is my new nickname for Benedict Cumberbatch, that is making you stare well, we, very judgmentally at me. We could talk about them in pickups. Do you want to talk about them in pickups? Yeah. All right, we can do that. All right, so, 
Alright, so pickups is where we uh, essentially pick up a part of the film that we wish to discuss further. So basically someone who's a role or a piece of music, which is what I want to do. Um, yeah, a lot of the time these are things that you sort of pick up on uh, rewatches, or time yeah, or rather than... Or even on your first watch. Something, yeah, although a lot of the time it's just things that like, we've watched these films too many times at this point, so it's, it's very much, oh, I finally noticed this, it probably wouldn't have gotten to me on the first or second watch even. Alright, so you obviously want to talk about the cast, so what do you want to mention Oh, well, I just wanted to talk briefly about... Uh, well, look, let's just get into the elephant in the room. Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One. Yes. Uh, performance to me was fine. Not her best performance, not her worst. But oh, no. clearly there's, a, a, there's an issue here. And this is sort of the same issue that Iron Man 3 came up against with the Mandarin, which is these characters that are sort of from the 70s or 80s or whatever, fairly problematic. Yes. And they decide to put them in a film. So what do you do? You know, do you do you cast... You know, do you change the character character so they're not such a token character? Do you put a white, char- char- a white actor in the role and get yeah. rid of that cultural baggage that was there? So, it's, look, back in the day um, when uh, Doctor Strange was um, first created, uh, so it was in the 60s, uh, we'll go into it later on in pickups when we talk about the origin of a character. Now, originally, like, the Ancient One was an Asian male, and it was very, like, Tibetan monks type thing. I'm just going to throw this out there. Because it was the 60s and the character was created by two white men, I'm going to guess that the research maybe wasn't necessarily no. there. So, because the Asian market... I know it's pretty bad to talk about it like this, but essentially that's it. The Asian market... Well, I mean, China, look at... Like, China carries the Transformers films at this point. Like, you yeah. can't discount the Chinese market. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so there is uh, Tibet still, I think, to this day, a Tibetan sovereignty debate. So yeah, calling the... So basically, essentially making the character... Tibetan. A Tibetan, like wizard slash monk Fu Manchu thing it's not it wouldn't be the greatest it, it wouldn't do well in the Asian market yeah um, and the thing changing it they had thought about changing it to an Asian woman but then they were worried that was going to invoke the dragon lady stereotype which is common in old films like that yes but here's I'm just going to throw this this is a crazy idea out there I know I know no one would ever go for it but maybe I don't know ask some women of colour from Asian backgrounds, invite them in as consultants and help them get them to help you write this character so it's not like that. Like, yeah. it seems weird to me that it's like, hey, get some writers who know about this shit, who are culturally keyed in and able to guide you so you don't mess it up instead of just whitewashing shit. Yeah, like, look, how I mean, hard is that? I, look, I didn't mind the fact that the character was, like, white. They wanted to change things up. I mean, they've made Baron Mordo and this uh, person of colour... Like, which was, I that, think was was good because given um, Mordo's character journey and his um his character motivations, which I think like he was one of the best written characters yeah. in this film. Like, it doesn't matter what race he is, so why not you know like mix it up? Don't make it a vanilla. Yeah. Person. Well, if they're making like um, the ancient one, and they've made they've made mention that like you know. There's been various sorcerer supremes. Like the ancient one wasn't the first one. She's not the so they last make one. it like a. Le- they're sort of making it a legacy thing. Yeah. So like, and they've mentioned in the movie that the ancient one is Celtic. Why don't you like possibly put 
push that home a bit more in the way she dresses. Like, I get that she's got robes, but you could add some things to the to the clothes to make it appeal to the whole she's Celtic. Mm. That's her background. Right. Yeah, rather than... I feel like the, the Celtic dialogue thing was just trying to sort of palm off the back that he, she's just a generic white lady. Yeah. And, and look, I like... Gotten her name now, sorry. Um, Tilda Swinton. I like Tilda Swinton because she does have that also androgynous feel. Yeah, she does. Like, uh, she was in um, Constantine and she's playing the angel Gabriel. Mm, she's got it. yeah, she's got a very sort of, I don't know how you describe it, but just like a, a mixed energy. Like, I could easily see way. her playing Bowie in a biopic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. She's, no, 100%. I th- and she's also one of those actors that really, it seems like she does research the role a bit and puts her all into a role. Well, do we, we probably need to bring up then uh, the Tilda Swinton Margaret uh, Chow email exchange yes. that Margaret Chow shared online. Yes. Yeah, sorry. So my mistake, it wasn't um, Margaret Chow who initially shared those emails. It was mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton. Yeah, so essentially Margaret Chow did a sort of call out about it. Yeah, so they discussed over emails, and I think that the main gist of it was that Margaret Chow had felt like Tilda Swinton had treated her as her house servant, excuse me, which is, I think, what uh, the way that Margaret Chow phrased it. And I believe what she meant by that was basically that Tilda Swinton was sort of, I think, after Margaret's approval and sort of information on, I guess, Asian, like Asian cultural stuff and how to, and how she should approach playing this character on screen. And I, my understanding is that... I think she released the emails as if to say, this is actually what I said. Yes. I didn't mean to. And my understanding is that people from sort of uh, minority groups or, or, you know, groups basically that aren't straight white males often get forced into positions where they have to educate other other people. Other people will force them sort of for information and ask them these questions on sort of behalf of the community or culture and it's not fair to do that on individuals yeah and look the other thing is as well like some people like so Japanese people um, from my understanding um, when there is a western version of their stuff made like anime manga um, even the films or TV shows they're very much like it's fine, we have our original thing, that's just a Western version. Yes. And then you don't see a lot of people getting angry about it. You do see more people that are second generation, like living here in America or stuff like that, getting angry, which is rightly so, because then like, that's a job that could have gone to, say, someone who is of Asian descent and whatnot. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, it's a, as the world becomes more globalised, it's more and more complex and, and, and tricky. But you're right, I think just... On the sort of employment level, like it's straight white dudes and white women as well get pretty much all of the jobs in Hollywood. Yeah. So it's it's pretty shitty when you've got a, a character who is, you know, like in Ghost of the Shell, like an Asian woman or yeah. someone who isn't white. And you're like, you know what? No, this, this role's going to go to a white person as well. Yeah, look, I mean, for, like take for me, for example, I've like kind of Greek descent. My mum's Greek, my dad's Greek. Wait, what? <sighs> yes, yes. Did you not see the... Pile of broken plates you when never... you walked in. <laughs> I was about to say, but you never bring it up. Really? No, never? That was, that was a joke. Never? It comes up very frequently. I would say, I, it, it seems like Greek is a very... Don't make me smash a plate over your head. But, anyway, what I was trying to you say... You wonderful Greeks, yep. Uh, what I was trying to say is that, like, a lot of the times, like, you'll see, like, characters... Like, say, for example, there was a film called Captain Corelli's Mandolin. 
Okay. First of all, it had Nicolas Cage playing in Italian, which I know he's of Italian well, descent. Oh, is he? I didn't yeah, realize that. Like he is. Yeah, no. To be honest, I would have held my <clears> breath <throat> at Nicolas Cage just in a movie because he's he's an he makes some interesting dramatic choices. Is all I'll say. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the actress who played the love interest in the film. But was she meant to be a person of of color or a person of a specific no, culture she, and wasn't? Yeah, she's meant to be Greek. But uh, she was a Spanish actress and she comes across as Greek. Okay. Like, I get that. There is the European thing. Like, a lot of the times I will hire European or slightly outside of European actors to play the part of various European roles. Yes. It just, it, it irks me sometimes when you get, like, someone that's clearly, like, white and not European at all playing the role of a Greek person. That's just me personally. But, mm. I don't know. I, I guess it's tricky as well that, uh, please let me know if I'm out of line here, but a lot of uh, Greek people who are, who have lighter skin can pass as white. Yeah. So I guess maybe the casting people feel that feel the opposite. Oh, that, okay. like, that you can do the inverse, which is someone who's white could therefore pass as Greek in a film. All right, well, here's another example. Troy was a film... The film Troy <laughs> oh, was on last night. Oh, there God. is hardly anyone in that film. Brad Pitt is playing the role of Achilles. I'm like, no. Yeah, but you know what it reminds me of a bit as well? Like, whenever they have a Bible film and everyone's, like, sparkling white, you're like, like you do understand where yeah, the, exactly. the time and geographical location that these took place and that the fact... And that they're not authoritarian yeah. British oh, people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny that, like, in any fantasy or historical setting, we sort of... It's always just assumed they all spoke with British accents. Exactly. Uh, so, I guess that's kind of... All I have to say on the Tilda Swinton thing. Yes. Look, I mean, we enjoyed it. It would have been better if it was done differently. Oh, apart from the fact I'm pretty sure that was the biggest email scandal of 2016. Really? Margaret Chow and and Tilda Swinton's email. Yes, I'm going to stand by that. I thought it was still the Sony thing. That was was another election joke about Hillary Clinton's Uh, emails, Billy. (laughs) See, I've wiped the election out of my brain. I'm trying to ignore Trump. Uh, All right, do you you have another pickup you want to jump into? Um, Look, I want to talk about, like, probably get into more actors and characters, but I want to talk about the music. So, yeah, you brought the score up that really stood out to you. Yeah, so it stood out to me for some particular reason. And then we both looked up the the person who did the music, who, who is, his name is. Michael, and I'm going to probably stuff this up, Michael Giacchino. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he's an American composer for music, and he's done lots of films. So he's done Lost, um, Alias, Fringe. I, I like um, how you said he's done lots of films, and then start by listening and to I miss, okay, lots of films and TV, and various video games as well. So he's done The Incredibles, uh, Mission Impossible oh, wow. 3, Ratatouille, um, Up, um, Dawn of Planet of the Apes, Jurassic World... Rogue One, Spider-Man Homecoming. But then the reason I thought it was familiar is because he's done all the film, all the music for all the new Star Trek films. And there was a lot of music in this which seemed similar to Star Trek mm. um, Into Darkness and the first one. It definitely had that sense of sort of grandeur to it, yeah, I think. Like the rush and grandeur mm. at the same time. Like when they're... Yeah, it just helped this... Yeah, it was... Interesting. Yeah. No, it's funny how a lot of the time in film, you like hear music and your subconscious will recognize it from somewhere, but it can take a while before you actually realize, number one, that you recognize it, number two, where on earth you recognize it from. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, it's pretty cool also when actors, sorry, when um, composers use similar stuff from their sort of catalog 
Which is kind of almost well, I mean, like... Hans, Hans Zimmer is persistently using the... <laughs> but it's almost it's like, like what he's known for. Yeah, it's almost like when directors... Um, have like a work we are talking before, have a specific sort of hallmark or thing they might... Yeah, or even actors they particularly like to work with as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. Alright, what's your next pick up? Alright, I'm, I'm just going to say it. The humour felt offbeat and forced. Yeah, I'll, I'll pay that. I mean... And then also a lot of the humour was in the trailers. Was it? I don't remember the, the trailer. The Wi-Fi password joke, that was in the trailer. Which felt off, like felt offbeat to me. I know, okay, and I want to... When he gave him the Wi-Fi password and then... I knew it was coming. And, and then, then he, it was a bit like, like <laughs> This isn't humour related, this is just taste related. But he says, we're not savages. Yeah. Which to me felt like a bit of, like... I'm going to say racist adjacent given that he's in Nepal... I think also he was trying to make out that like Doctor oh, Strange is still no Doctor Strange is still slightly opinionated asshole. Okay, at that stage, maybe. Oh, that, so do you think it was more a comment about like I know that you think you're better than everyone else? Exactly. Okay. Well, in that light, the, and maybe because it it comes from Modo, who is a you know a person of color in this film. Yeah. Um, perhaps that is. That yeah, I think that probably gives kudos to your argument. Um, but it, it, the humor just. I don't know when it happened, but I think at a certain point in the Marvel films, they decided, oh, these all have to be funny in this specific way. Well, like, the, okay, the Doctor, Mr. Doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I forgot about that one, and it was a little That bit was funny. painful the, to me. I the did humor not enjoy with it. the cloak, I thought that was kind of cool, too. Okay, it did feel re- very, like, Aladdin. Pixar? Yeah. Like... I, th- I think, you know what, the cloak humour didn't piss me off too much because it had function and yeah. because they'd already established that, like, the cloak of levitation is very sort of... It has a lot of personality. And it picks the user, almost like some of the other stuff that we've talked about, which, like, some of the other weapons that are used in the film, which we will talk about and pick up because I want to talk about because it's an Easter egg. Yeah, but, yeah, I just thought... I just think that if they dropped most of the jokes, I think the film would have been better for it. Um... I know that like all pretty much all the humor from Wong, like yeah. all the jokes between Doctor Strange and Wong, where they're trying to force this rapport that in my mind is never earned in the film. I do like Wong's like body humor essentially though, like in that like he's very much like no, you're not funny. That whole yes. thing. I th- I I think it was the, the dialogue that I didn't like. It wasn't the actual like uh, Benedict Wong who ironically plays Wong. Yes. Uh He's a, like he's a very good actor, and he plays a very good straight man, yeah. as he does most of this film. But the lines, and even the bit where he's like listening to Beyonce, just felt very stupid and heavy-handed. Okay, all right, all right. That's my that's my rant on the humor. Yeah. So the joke, it's the joke was a little bit that Shambhala joke that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. It did feel a little bit like what we've talked about in the past that are jokes that don't age, or if they do, every time you listen to it, it's like eh, it gets eh, less funny. Eh. Yeah. Um, Alright, so my pickup. I wanted to talk about some of the, like, you know, comic The comic Easter book in this. Yeah. Um, so, obviously we mentioned The Cloak of Levitation. Um, another one was... Oh, I'm trying to think of it. Um, there was The Wand of Watoom, which is in the comics. It's like a... Um, the Staff of the Living Tribunal. Is that the one, the whip thing that uh, yeah. that Moto uses? Where it like, yeah. it's like a staff that extends out to like a whip? Yeah, and so the Living Tribunal in the comics is like essentially like this cosmic tribunal who, like three-headed sort of judge and jury 
almost like similar to the did you ever watch the Transformers the cartoon I've said this before and I'll say it again too young okay <laughs> I'm gonna go key your car uh, um, there was some characters in the um, Transformers who had like three I think of three or four heads or whatever and they used to um, like sort of be judged during an executioner um, their name has escaped me now but yeah the living tribunal was that but it was like cosmic it was trying so to like force co- cosmic order yeah amongst okay. the universe um, some of the other ones I'm trying to think like there was a reference to um, I believe uh, the band Pink Floyd because there was a music he picked um, as he was driving, was Pink Floyd. Was it? Okay. Yeah, and Pink Floyd used some of Doctor Strange's artwork in some of their albums. Really? Yeah. I like. I, I assume there'd be that sort of psychedelic crossover. Yeah. Another one was the, I believe, the Vaulting Boots of Valtor. Like, that was another, like, there's something else that's used in the comics. What was another one? The So, Daniel Drum. So, in the New York office, the person who's actually looking after it, the New York Sanctum, yep. is Daniel Drum. Now, Daniel Drum is, in the comics, his younger brother is currently the brother voodoo in the comics, um, who's another magician type thing, but very much... Is embraced with like voodoo and shanti magic. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, yeah, he's a product of the time. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm just gonna bet that he was invented by two white men. Yeah, um, I can't remember which one's the current, I think the current one's Daniel, maybe. Okay, but like they they each have a brother, Jericho and Daniel. Uh, one of them dies and is the ghost in the comics, is the ghost and sort of like helper of his brother. So it would be interesting if like this one died in the sanctum. And then the brother turns up and is possibly in maybe another film or not. We don't. Well, that's the thing. We don't even know if there's going to be a second Doctor Strange. I'm just going to throw that there. I don't think there needs to be. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Honestly, I don't. I think it was a nice nod, but I don't think it will be. I think this film was. We need Doctor Strange in the universe. Give him a film. He appears in Infinity War. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I think the logic behind this is. And I. I wouldn't even be surprised if after Infinity War we don't see any like come about come about sleeves the MCU. I would not be surprised. Um, in the Hong Kong office, there was uh, uh, essentially okay, a magazine practitioner. Um, she had a staff yep. and it had a big circle on it, which is the staff of one, which is um, used by Nico Minoru from The Runaways. Now, I don't Interesting. know. Yeah, yeah. it did. I don't know, because that's the thing. There was the TV the, stuff, they've sort of made it almost clear now that they're not connected. Well, that's the thing. Um, so the Runaways TV series is on Hulu, and I don't even think it's linked to the ABC TV series and the Netflix series. I don't think so. I didn't get that impression at all. Wait, because there's a Cloak and Dagger series. What network's that on? Um, I think that might be Hulu as well. I was about to say, because that I feels very youth-oriented oriented yeah. and very sort of drama-heavy. I think it's out at the moment, but I haven't watched it. But okay. yeah, that was some of the um, sort of Easter eggs that I noticed. What about you? What's your next pick-up? All right, I'm going to bring this up. Uh, continuity error. And before I dive into the continuity error, I'm going to preface it with, yes, listeners, I have become everything I hate. Um, I have an amendment to your continual, continuity To my continuity error. error. I, well... So on the uh, Captain America Civil War episode, yes. not Civil War, sorry, uh, Winter Soldier episode, I believe we brought up that when Captain America is dangling uh, Sitwell, who is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, who you find out is working for Hydra, yeah. he's dangling him over a ledge to get info out of him, and he mentions that like Doctor Strange is on a watch list. Well, he says Stephen Strange. Does he, 
Did he say Stephen Strange? Yes, yeah, there's Stephen Strange. Okay. But, it, this is, but it, at that point in the universe, Stephen Strange was just a doctor. So why the hell would yeah. he be on this list? He was an know. asshole surgeon. Yeah. And the reason that we... Now, I can't remember the verdict we arrived to at Billy, because I know that often the, the way the timeline works isn't when the movies have come out. Yeah, I think we were going to watch this. So I agree this film is set after Civil well, War. Well, I can, I can prove it. Because yeah, it still references well. something to Civil War. Yes, it does. I wonder if it's going to be what I'm mentioning. Is Look. it when he's in the car? And yes. He, and he gets a phone call about the so, yeah. army colonel, colonel who was injured in experimental armour and he's not interested. Yes. Which, of course, is a reference to Rhodey. Yes. I would assume. So yeah. this is set during and after Civil War. Yeah. Like, I assume sort of fairly straight after. Yeah. Because Avengers Tower is in the skyline shot of New York. Yes. So who knows? Maybe... I mean, they were talking about... Look, this is just me playing devil's advocate, but the whole... <laughs> that's the thing, the, the the list that Hydra had was people of potential. But, no, no I didn't see... This, I didn't mean it was <laughs> potential for magic. I didn't say that. But, so, you know, people that are potentially, you know... Look, I'm grasping at straws, but look, it, it's a continuity in your era. It happens. It, is. it happens in comics. And I feel way too smug for, rec- for, for picking it up. Well, aren't you so. good? Look, it's, it's the only thing I got as my smugness, Billy. Okay. All right. Um, do we want to talk about Doctor Strange itself? What do you mean by that? The one? actor and Doctor Strange. Yes, yeah, certainly. The com- okay. Cumberbatch. All right. So, look, first off, Doctor Strange was created in 1963 um, in Strange Tales 110 by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Now, um, since then, like during that period when it was made, it was very psychedelic. So it's very different. Like, if you read Doctor Strange, if you're a fan, like, I'm, and we're going to mention stuff to read at the end of this, but if you read Doctor Strange based on the movie, you will notice it is very different and it is very... I'm trying to think of the director, Hellboy director. It's very Guillermo del Toro. If you, if you were to get someone to direct it, sort of thing, like, in in the way to it to be exactly like the comics, it would be Guillermo del Toro. Well, I know that Steve Ditko was a big Ayn Rand uh, head, or he was a big sort of fan of Ayn Rand and her objectivism um, philosophy. So I know that apparently that came through a lot in the early Doctor Strange work. Yeah. Um, Are you? Do you have any familiarity with... No, not off the top of my head. Uh, oh, I don't know it super well, but basically Ayn... Basically, the it is sort of about that by pursuing your own, your self interest, yeah, uh, you were you were contributing to the greater good. So basically, be a selfish asshole, and everyone benefits. Is kind of the it's like a weird, it's very embraced by a lot of Republicans that sort of thinking. Okay, was it look a lot of the early stuff of Doctor Strange was very like stuff you would see now that are very like dark and black magic and some of the like horror you could possibly even say. Sh- Cthulhu type comics so it's a Lovecraftian horror yeah like, 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 oh cosmic horror sorry like you could easily like man if you took mushrooms and read Doctor Strange back in the 60s you'd be like freaked out that's just my opinion <laughs> I did like however there wasn't as much psychedelic throughout the film yes it was pretty it looked like the magic and the, the mirror verse and everything the only time it felt it was all psychedelic- spectacle without substance though yeah the only time it was psychedelic-y was at the beginning when she threw his yes. astral presence, and at the end in Demormo's plane. Yes, yeah, that in, was the, the only uh, time in the dark. We should have been more. Like I get. Yeah, I do. I think I think the movie should have 
been more focused around him going to different worlds and different dimensions and stuff. I, it is a pity that it only happened... Like, it only happened a few little times. Hopefully in the next one, if there is a next one. I think there might be. You never know. Maybe. Or maybe even in Avengers, Infinity War, or the fourth Avengers film, maybe there might be more. Who knows? The one thing about... Look, uh, the one thing that I did really enjoy about this this, uh, film iteration of Doctor Strange was the costume. I think that translated really well. Yeah, it did feel like the latest costume. um, The current one in the series... I had the one during Jason Aaron's run. Yeah, but like a darker version, the blue and the red. It's I'm, not the traditional light blue and light red. I'm pretty... My guess is that the the uh, the film version probably influenced the comic book version. Yeah. Because I imagine those designs and the pre-production stuff was done long ago. Oh, there was a period where he's in with the Avengers and it's very much like black and red. Oh, I yeah, yeah. I feel like I that, that may have influenced, influenced a tiny it. bit. I think the dark red and sort of the... like the way that the cloak was animated and the bits where he's like hovering with the cloak I thought looked really good and yeah. they sort of he looked like this really sort of powerful interesting character the one thing I didn't like and only I get one it, thing I, I get that he he wears gloves in the comics mm-hmm. um, now not so much but he used to wear gloves and there used to be yellow ones but they used to be okay so when you're drawing something it literally looks like a hand it doesn't look like a glove yeah it's hard Where, to make yeah, that distinction visually like but the gloves they looked like in the movie they weren't as bad as I thought they were did he have gloves in the movie? at the end when he was talking to Thor in the post credit which okay. we'll talk about later but yeah the gloves in yeah but the costume for the most part is good do we, do we want to quickly, just because I don't want to forget it, because this was a big, I think a big part of this film, do we want to talk about magic and how that was handled? Yes, let's do that. So okay. you feel it was more energy-based, which I agree. So someone on Twitter basically said this, and it's all I can think about now, uh, which is basically Doctor Strange, instead of sort of using magic, they just say that it's energy manipulation. And I don't believe that the word magic was ever used in the film. They use the word uh, spells. Mi- yeah, and mysticism. Yeah, but they but never actually magic. Used and this reminded me of what they did in the first Thor film, where they distance it from from um, magic and instead say, you understand it as magic, but to us it's technology. But then how does he make a... In the post-credit, how does he make a beer, a, a beer fill up again? He's just manipulating energy to uh, create... Well, he's manipulating the beer energy of the universe and directing it into that mug. The hopsness? <laughs> the hoppiness of... The hopverse. The hoppiness that sort of pervades all of existence. He's channeling it into that mug. Awesome. Um, okay, did you want to talk about Cumberbatch at all? Well, look, before we, before we finish it, did you do you wish that it was more magic-y rather than sort you of do, like... Do you think I wish it was very much like by the hoary hoths of Agoth or... Like, like the, there was actually a bit more volatility to the spells and you feel like he's casting a spell instead of just... I w- it would have been cool energy. like if he was casting a spell. And or like, you know, even if he was covered up in his mouth like in the comics like sometimes when that happens he, he'll spill some of his blood and do blood magic or like you know do something with his thoughts think a, think a spell type thing because something that like the Harry Potter films have many sort of uh, problems okay. but one thing they do well is well I mean the Harry Potter books as well is that magic has lots of uses outside of combat you know whereas here like all the magic stuff is pretty much all combat oriented Oh, Except for when he astral projects to mansplain to uh, to the other Doctor. Yes, Hattie, so. did you want to talk about that? The mansplaining? We can, we certainly can. Yeah. It was shitty, it was stupid. She's a doctor, she knows what she's doing. Yeah, she's not a nurse, she's a doctor. 
I get it from a cinematic from a cinematic view. It looked cool and it made for an interesting scene, but it just yeah. to me in like a post Me Too world played very off. Yeah, it was weird. Like, look, I get Rachel McAdams. I like her as She's an actress. She's a good actress. I really like her. I just felt she was underused in this film at all. I would say criminally underused. Why the hell would you bring on a big talent like McAdams? And she's barely... She's really just... Just like... Her character lacked a spine. Like, Doctor Strange has been a complete dick to her, yet she welcomes him back into her life without any sort of reservation. She was at the beginning, and then the bit where he got injured, and then that was it. Like, he yeah. left her at the... He left her in the broom closet, and that was it. Like, she wasn't at the end or anything like that. Yeah. Like... Sure, how hard is it to show her visiting him in the sanctum and sort of understanding that, that this is his new life now? Like, exactly. How it would have been cool hard. to do that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it would have been cool to do it as... As a post-credits? Yeah, but we got the post-credit for... Yeah. No, nah, we'll talk about it later. But, All right. Um, yeah, I felt like she was underused and it was kind of annoying because she is a great actress. I know, I would agree. And I think... She's in a film that's coming up that I'm really interested in. What, what's the film? Um, it's at the Sydney Film Festival coming up. Oh, yes, Fancy Man, yes, going to yes, film yes, festival. Yes. Yeah, but no, she does she does great work, and it was just a shame for her to be underused. Um, do you want to talk about Baron Moto, Baron Mordor? Yes, yeah, certainly. So, like, he, they've made him a person of color for this film, which I liked. And again, um, it doesn't really like in the way that he's written in this film. His skin color or nationality isn't important at all. It, in the in the comics, he was very like. Almost an Eastern European. You could easily confuse okay. him with like, like, like bloody Dracula. You could even confuse oh, him wow. with in the comics. Like sort of just a, a creepy European sort of guy. Yes, like Vlad or whatever. But yeah, so do you like his motivations here? Because they're very sort of throughout the film. We see him as someone who is dedicated to the cause of the sorcerers. Yeah, and, and like then he, he sort of shifts. Yeah, but that's the thing. He hasn't taken up. Um. He's done the opposite of Caecilius. Like, so he's... Whereas Caecilius, like, reached a point where he's like, no, I need to do this because I lost my family. Yes. Baron Mordo, we don't know. It's not mentioned if he's lost his family. No, it hasn't. But he's reached that point and he's like, no, I'm staying true to my path. And then his whole world is turned upside down. Well, I think he's a very binary thinker. Uh, yeah, it's black or... Or white. It's black or white. Yeah. Sorry to say um, that. But yeah, essentially his views are... Very much. There's no grey in the middle for him. Yeah, which is there is for Doctor Strange and Wong, and, and for the um for the for the ancient uh, one. ancient one who, of course, the big sort of twist of the film is that she's been channeling Dormu Dormammu's power, and because she doesn't feel that there is anyone to leave her mantle to. Yeah. So, and of course, this uh this shakes Mordor to his core. Yeah, and then. A, Puts him on a very different path. And his path. opinion is that, like, no, now I need to get rid of magicians. There's too many of them. Yeah, which is... I Look, I liked it, and it felt like a good... I thought it was a good path for the character. Mm. Although... I wouldn't be surprised if they bring him... If there is a second film, it's going to be out that he's going to destroy he magic or something. And I wish that he was a villain in this film, because Cassilius was, like... The fact that we this is the first time we brought him up just goes to show... What another example of vanilla underwritten Marvel yeah. villains look like? I Although mean, the the look of him, like the fact that he's 
he's a puppet of Dormammu. Once he casts that spell, the whole breaking of the eyes. Yeah, like it's. I saw a meme today. I saw it on your Facebook feed yeah. where it's like a close up on his eyes. Close up of the eyes, and it's like this is what it looks like when you've been gaming for twenty four hours straight, which I thought was hilarious. But like so true, like great makeup work. It's just yeah, the, it's just that the character's written crap. Yeah, and like same with Dormammu, like he. The character Which is not many people know. The voice of Dormammu was done by um, Cumberbatch. You know what? It sounded familiar. Yes. It, sound, it sounded. I liked his design. The, yeah, he was quite terrifying. Yeah. Like I'm, I actually got like shivers down my spine when I saw him. And he just like yeah. Thank you, thank you, Billy's patting me on the shoulder now. Um, yeah, like he'd sort of. I think it made it clear. The sort of the horror and the incomprehensibleness of what Doctor Strange was going up against. I want to ask you something. Yeah, go ask. Where? No, I'm not single. <laughs> How did you <laughs> watch this? Did you watch this DVD or Blu-ray? Or I watched it on Netflix. Okay, it's because it's currently on Netflix. Is it? Yeah, I it... watched it on Netflix as well. Yeah. So, what did you think of the quality? I didn't have any issues, but I'm not like a big like I'm not the sort of person who notices. I don't know. I just, stuff. I just, I just felt like the film quality. That could have been my connection because you know we have shit internet in Australia, but I just felt the film quality was a little bit wasn't as good on Netflix as it was to on like on a Blu-ray. On Blu-ray, do you understand? Do you own the Blu-ray? Yes, I do. I so you could, feeling, have, you could have put the Blu-ray. I was in. feeling lazy and I wanted to test it out. Netflix, I think. And when we do the Guardians of the Galaxy two episode. Because that's on Netflix, I might watch that on Netflix too. Yeah, it's what I'm, I'm planning on doing. Mm. Uh, I wanted to talk about Wong. So he's very different to the comics. Um, in the comics, he's more of um, from a line of, not Wong's, but a line of tradition, like that's someone that serves the Sorcerer Supreme. And of course, it's an Asian person serving a white man, which isn't problematic at all in this day and age. Yeah, the, the weird thing though, initially when... See, there's been some... People initially thought when Doctor Strange was first created that just the look of him, his face and everything, they thought it was initially going to be an Asian man playing the part of Doctor Strange, but then that changed completely to a white man. But, yeah, that's neither here or there now. But, yeah, it's very much like the Asian Fu Manchu era type thing, manservant. Mm. Something that comes to mind, it's a, apparently this was a term was coined by TV tropes and idioms, but it's Mighty Whitey. Which is Iron Fist is a great example of this, and it plays a bit in the Doctor Strange. The idea of a white person coming and basically just mastering whatever you know a different another culture's like art or or combat form. And I think with Doctor Strange as well, you know, there's a whole bunch of people of color in the background learning mm. magic. They don't do anything. Doctor Strange, this white guy, comes in and is suddenly the most important person in this in a circle of sources. I would have liked more learning stuff, and I liked uh, like it was cool that they made it that he's. Got a photographic memory or whatever. Yeah, like, it, it did make sense. that He's, like, he studied for medical school, so, and, of course, he's up for studying magic. Yeah, and while he was asleep, he was Astral studying projecting. while... Which was kind of cool. But I do, like, in the comics now, Wong is very much to the front. He's not as to the back as he was originally. Which is what you need to do, right? Yeah, like, you've like got a character the, of colour... Like, yeah. don't get rid of him. Use him properly. Let him be his own character instead of this Well, in, like, three or four issues lately, he's... Um, and they've also made Wong, he knows magic as well. So it was kind of cool to see that. And I think maybe that's been the help of the movie. Quite possibly. Because, yeah, he's so a librarian. Movie, yeah, he's a librarian and teacher to Doctor Strange, which is kind of cool. 
Um, I think that's pretty much it. I don't well, know. Do you want to do wanna go do what I assume is the listener highlight of the show, Stan Watch? It's your your listener highlight. Okay, you're going to talk about Stan Watch. I'm going to talk about Stan Watch on something else as well. Oh, okay. All right, go now. You know what? I think this was this week was a good Stanley cameo because I can barely remember it, which is a sign of a good Stanley cameo when it's not burned into my brain. Uh, he was on a bus, yes, and he was reading something. Yeah, and he that's was reading all like, I can remember. He was e- reading an Eastern mysticism book. Or something. Oh yeah, he was too. Or he was reading Subtle. some some opening mind book. Oh yeah, yeah, some like self help. Yeah, so. I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I'm playing Lego Marvel Super Heroes oh, no. 2. So it, Is he in that so, game? Well, this thing. In all of the games, of, there's a bit like... There's collectibles. And it's usually like there's a bit to to get someone or to unlock something. You have to do multiple puzzles. To so like unlock a character or something? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. On every stage, there's a hidden Stan Lee. And you unlock it. But when you unlock him... He is so annoying, like to the point where it's like... Is it his I'm voice? Or yeah, it is. It's pre-recorded. It's like five lines that they're pre-recorded and they use over and over and over. Where's my award for a cameo? Oh, no. Oh, God. Bless Stanley. Oh, that's a lot. That's that's enough to maybe never want to buy and play that game. <sighs> One thing... I know we mentioned we're up to the Stanley section... Uh, you know what? I'll mention that later on. All right. All right. Cool. Well, shall we jump into the uh, after credits stingers? Yes. So, which one do you want to take on first? Let's do the first one because I think that'd be pretty quick. It's it's a part of Thor Ragnarok. Yes. They did they did this last time. Yeah. Uh, which is they show a little bit of a clip in, of the next film. So not in in um, did, Cap. Did they do Civil War? Yeah, they didn't. In, no, Ant Man. Ant Man. Where they like he's like I know a guy, and yes. that direct bit was in the film. Yeah. Same with this. This is a bit where Doctor Strange meets Thor. Um, in Thor Ragnarok. And it's like, I keep a collection of people. Mm. So we clearly know that from that, that they're on Earth. And that Loki's with him. Loki's with him and they're looking for Odin. Which, to be honest, I'd completely forgotten that by the time I saw Thor Ragnarok. Oh, that scene? Yeah, I'd completely forgotten Oh, it was so much better in Thor Ragnarok. Like, I think it's what I mentioned off podcast. I think they do a little bit... They they add it and then they're like, okay, maybe we'll alter it or cut it differently. Oh, you reckon they tweak it? Potentially. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I didn't like all of the Doctor Strange stuff in Thor. It felt very studio mandated. Yeah. Uh, but it's there. So what what are you going to do? All right. So the the after credit stinger, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, the final uh, after after credit stinger is uh, Baron Modo basically makes a a crippled guy crippled again. So yes. good for him. I guess. Uh, so bad. So bad. So, of course, the character we met at the beginning of the film who uh, Doctor Strange goes to to ask how he sort of healed from unrecoverable injuries. Of yeah. course, spoiler alert, it's magic. He's manipulating the energy in his body. So, Moto comes and strips that power away, which I agree, it did feel like a setup for the second film, right? Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, look, it, I... It was it was fine. It was serviceable. It was serviceable. <laughs> what a pull quote. Yes. Um, look, now that we've done that, do, do we want to get into if you like this? Read, read this. Yeah. I'm going to offer something that's not a read as well. But you go first. All right. Well, let me just explain the segment for people at home. Uh, I mean, I think if you've been listening by now, you you get it. But in case you're jumping in for the first time, welcome. And in the segment. What we do is we give you recommendations that you might like uh, that will either feature the characters from the film or, or something the similar. Time, right? Yeah, or something similar that's non-Marvel related that we think would be good. Yeah, that sort of has 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 the tone. 
So, do you want to start off? Yeah, I'm going to jump in with a non-Marvel related book, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, Wolf uh, okay. from Image Comics. It's written by Alice Cott. Yeah. Uh, who I'm a big fan of Alice Cott's writing. I know not everyone is, but I really like Wolf, which is his sort of take on the street magician genre. Okay. Um, now I'm just going to find out who it's illustrated by. Now my I think they did like a six. Alice and the illustrator did a six issue sort of run, and the illustrator had had to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, they haven't come back to it then. So look, I'm I'm hoping that they they come back because I think it's a great book. It is sort of a street magic book set in LA, and the main character Wolf is a African American. So that plays. There's a lot of racial politics in it as well, and magic is sort of used to explore some of those ideas. So I would definitely recommend checking it out. Okay, first off, I'm going to start off with something that's non-reading related. So, okay, in, that's, uh, all right. In 1978, they made a Doctor Strange TV movie. Of course, they did. It sounds terrible. Oh yes. Um, it had. I'm trying to think of the actress. Um, so basically, what happens is a psychiatrist becomes the new Sorcerer Supreme, so Doctor Strange. Wait, a psychiatrist? Um, yeah, he's so a psychiatrist. Not a neurosurgeon. No, oh, not God. a neurosurgeon. Um, and there's a Wong. Um, there's, um, there's someone who plays the role of Clea, who in the comics is like his sort of love interest, but is from a different dimension. Um, but in this, like, she's, uh, a human who is trying to get kidnapped by Morgan Le Fay, who is, uh, who is an actual, uh, Marvel and sort of Doctor Strange villain. Morgan Le Fay is played by Jessica Walter. Who, of course, most people know as Mallory Archer on Archer and uh, the mother in Arrested Development, whose character name I've forgotten. Now, I'm just going to show... We're going to pause the podcast for a moment. Oh, and Lucille. I'm gonna... Lucille Bluth. That's who yeah. she plays on Arrested Development. So I'm going to pause the podcast for a moment and I'm going to show Christoph the trailer. Why did you TV. do this to me, Billy? So what did you think, Christoph? Why did you, why did you do this to me, Billy? It was rough. Uh, it seemed like the villain was advocating some sort of version of the secret that turns you into a serial killer. Yep. I, it was really bad. Like, yeah, I don't uh, think the, anyone should. I don't think anyone should watch that. The, I think the ancient one in this was white. Oh, so that he was the ancient one, a generic sure. white dude. Yeah. Oh um, god. But yeah, yeah. Look, I watch it for a trash value. I don't know if I could even do that. Oh, and just sorry, guys, to follow up, the artist on Wolf was Matt Taylor with colors by Lee Lowridge. All right. Well, I'll actually provide a book. So it's one of my. Oh, oh, now you're okay. It's one of my favorite. Putting me through that clusterfuck. It's called Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom, um, Triumph and Torment. Okay, who's it? Who's it created? It's by Roger Roger Stern, and the artist on um, Hellboy, creative Hellboy. Oh, um, um, Mike Mignola. Mike Mignola. So he's done done the art. So essentially, what it is is. so, Doctor Doom, when he was young, his mother was, like, the the gypsy of her tribe, the, like the, the sort sorcerer. Of the, yeah, the, the witch sort of lady. Yeah, and she sold her soul to Mephisto for more power to help her, sort of, town and country, etc. So, essentially, her soul is with um, Mephisto. Is he, so, like, the Satan of the Marvel Universe? Yeah, essentially. So, every year on a certain night, Doctor Doom... Battles Mephisto for his mother's soul, and it's like a, a game to Mephisto. So one this one time, he gets Doctor Strange to help him. 
Huh, that's a cool. That's it's kind of actually a cool... really cool book. It's okay. really good. Um, what are, what's another book that you wanted to mention? So I'm going to recommend the Jason Aaron run on Doctor Strange, illustrated by Chris Pacello. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe so. Donny Cates is currently running the book at the moment, mm-hmm. but before then, before that, it was Jason Aaron, and yeah, the the run's really good. Uh, my I believe that Aaron sort of takes it in a more uh, like street magic direction and really sort of talking about the idea that magic has consequences. Yeah, um, I do like the Donny Cates take as well. With where, where Loki becomes Sorcerer Supreme. Well, yeah, or that's just like that, part of it. Yeah, that's part of his run. And I'm actually really enjoying. It. He's doing this thing where it's, he's essentially back onto Mephisto. Um, it's Doctor Strange versus Mephisto on a current oh, series. That's right. I, is that the one called Damned? Yes. Yeah, Damnation. So, sorry? Yeah. So he's trying to save Las Vegas. Huh, which is kind of cool. Actually, that's very cool. Um, something I wanted to bring up. So Marvel did this did for a while, sort of season ones of comics. Yeah, it was and like a hardcover. My understanding was they were very hit and miss. Yeah, they were very hit and miss. I read the Iron one, which was not great. This one is by Greg Pak. Um, okay, and he's a solid writer. Yeah, with uh, Emma Rios is the illustrator. Oh, that's actually a very good creative team. For, yeah. Um, not all of these season one books have the best creative team. Yeah, so it's from the early days of Doctor Strange, so I'd recommend that. Um, what another one that you were going to mention? I think that's me. That, that's, that's me tapped out, my friend. Okay. There's two I wanted to talk about. So, Ooh. actually three. Yeah, so, essentially, we mention this nearly every episode, but grab an essential series or a tray like if you sort of want to get caught up on the the older issues yeah there's like an omnibus or an essential and they usually collect all the main stories or um yeah like it's mostly the straight mostly the big stories um something you want to bring up so brian k vaughan was on dr strange for a little while um series called the oath Oh, yeah, I think that's quite good. Um, art by Marcos Martin. Oh, wow. Uh, that's a, yeah, it's a hell of a creative team. Marcos Martin, of course, did, uh, then went on to do, um, The Private Eye. Yes. With, um, with, uh, God, not good names, with, um, Brian K. Vaughan. And Marcos Martin's art is just stunning. I just love it so much. Um, another, another book which I haven't read, but I've heard good things from some, from most people is Dr. Strange, The Doctor is Out by Mark Wade and the illustrator is Emma Rios. So it's when the Dr. Strange is no longer the Sorcerer Supreme of the Marvel Universe and it's essentially he has to find a new path to help essentially because he can't be, he can't be a surgeon because his hands are still fucked. Yes. So yeah. Um, and look, I really enjoy Mark Wade's work, and I mean it's Emma Rios, so yeah, her art, her art's great. Now, Mark Wade, not not everything he writes is amazing, but not in my opinion, none of it's bad. You know, he's such a solid writer. Weirdly, I enjoy a lot of his Marvel work. He's non, his DC work, not a huge fan of his DC. Interesting. Work. So you're not a big Kingdom Come fan, mm, or is that hit, an exception? Hit, hit and miss. Yeah, I, I admittedly I haven't, I haven't read that in ages, so I've been in a certain up. mood to read Kingdom Come. Okay. And it's a heavy book to read as well. Yeah, there's a lot. To, well, I think like, part of the art. Well, I was about to say, Alex Ross's art, every panel is like a freaking painting that looks like it should be up in a museum, which it's is great, but it's heavy for like sequential reading. Yeah. Um, look, so that has been us. Yeah. Um, well, look, where can people find us, Billy? I was going to say, um, I'm on Twitter as Aqualek. You're on Twitter as... as at Weekly Geek. Yep. Yeah, you can also find us at Geek of Oz um, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you can find our podcast on Wushaka and iTunes, the, to Infinity War and Beyond. 
If you'd like, please leave a rating and review for us. That way more people can find us and, you know, tell us how much you love the podcast or, you know, tell us what you don't love. Yeah, we'll... and how much you hate us and, yeah, how much you want to stab us with a knife. Yes. Or to our cars, as Billy threatened me to do to me earlier. Well, that's because you're so young. And to everyone <laughs> who did reach out to uh, me and let me know that the podcast that I uploaded was the incorrect one, thank you very much. Um, because I was at work at the time and I wouldn't have noticed it and I would have made looked like more of an idiot than I am. So, yeah, that has been us. Have you got anything to plug before we go? No. This week, that is all I have to plug, except that, uh, look, Infinity War's coming up soon. Yes. So, uh, that means the sort of the run that we've... Uh, been doing the every Thursday. We're going to probably do maybe Monday and Thursday. Yeah, because we've got to fit two in. And then, and then yeah, we've got the big one, big Infinity War, so... Plugging, plugging that, I guess. Yeah, plugging, plugging our podcast. On our podcast. Anyway, that's been us. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.